Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the B-Team Podcast. I am Chris Morrow of WorldSurfLeague.com, joined today by Dave Prodan. Of course, he's on the ground at Chopu uh, in the wake of one of the most historic days in professional surfing. And Dave, I, I'm a little jealous, man. How was it watching that thing yesterday? Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was impressive. You know, hello, pod people. Um, Yodana from the end of the road. We're, uh, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where we were approaching the event and obviously everyone was looking to forecast. It looked a little bit underwhelming compared to years past. We had a couple of interesting opening days, a bunch of heat restarts. And then, yeah, Monday, it kind of started turning on. There were a few tens and some really high drama heats. And then yesterday, it just kind of turned into proper, you know, six-foot choku. And, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was interesting, right? Because we saw we saw the front runner, Matt Wilkinson, kind of fall out early. And then we saw the emergent, at least through the sort of middle rounds of, of John John and Gabrielle, really take the opportunity uh, to, to pounce on Wilco's misstep. And then at the end of the day, it was 44-year-old, Robert Kelly Slater who came in and just it was just a masterclass, right? Showing of, of anything that you know, we'd ever seen. How yeah, we're watching from from the webcast side of things. Oh, I mean, you know, the webcasts are so damn good these days, and the drone footage and everything was just incredible this year. It's so beautiful um, the shots they were getting of Tahiti. So yeah, would I've loved to have been there for sure, but it was uh, I was definitely transformed. Um, by the, the feed this year, which was great. And, you know, like you, I was stressing heading into the event because the forecasts were, I mean, they were pretty woeful. And it was just like, oh, God, what are we in for? Um, but what was hilarious was I think they started on Sunday. And I realized pretty early on, I think it was, you know, there was that very first tee to the event, Dusty Payne, if you recall, didn't catch a wave. And I was just like, oh, God, it's all this is this is this is not good. And then the very next tee, you know, Italo got a proper barrel, and I was just kind of thinking to myself, you know, if I got that barrel here in California, they, you know, there'd be a marching band going down the street. It would be incredible. And uh, and granted, it wasn't epic chopu those first couple of days, but it was it was good, you know, and a couple of restarts and everything. You got I think he kind of got to hand it to Kieran Perot for sticking to his guns and and really running those early days because he takes a lot of heat for those decisions, as you know. Um, and it was definitely the right call when you look at where we landed yesterday. Oh, man. I mean, he, he really nailed this one. And, and obviously what people didn't see was literally five or ten minutes after the webcast cut out, the wind came up and the swell dropped. And, and you know, a bunch of guys were going to go out, three sort of choke and just opted not to because it got so bad. So, he took that early start yesterday, you know, it, it improved throughout the morning and, and really sort of peaked in the semis and finals. So, yeah, hats off to Karen Perot for sure. All right, well, listen, let's get into this. John John Florence takes over the yellow jersey from Matt Wilkinson. Pretty huge, momentous day for John John, I'm assuming. You know, he's, he's usually pretty chill, relaxed Hawaiian. Uh, got to be feeling pretty good about this time about this point right now because he's made no bones about it he wants the title this year he's wearing it on his sleeve and uh to get into that front spot and see some results for all the hard work um i'm assuming he's pretty happy 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think you know, John's one of those guys who his approach is definitely different this year. He's a lot more focused on not just surfing to his you know, phenomenal level, but being a smart key surfer as well. And yesterday we saw like a marriage of both, right? Like the conditions really lent themselves for him to shine. And I think the immediate goal for him when he drew, drew Gabby was just to beat Gabby because Gabby had gotten in, you know, on the few instances they met in the race. And that was obviously a really, really close heat. And John looked like he summoned just all of his raw talent and ability to, to beat Gabrielle. And then when it did come out that he was the new front runner, it was interesting to hear his response, you know, because, and I'm sure that, actually, I don't know. I don't know if he's had sort of, sort of psychological coaching done or anything, but his response is pretty measured. He said, I'm really, really stoked, but at the end of the day, it's just the yellow jersey. You know, there's a lot of heat left to surf and a lot of events left to surf. And I thought that was a pretty interesting way to, to look at it. And, and he's obviously not one to celebrate early. Yeah. You know, I, I think John's, you know, I don't want to say he's looking past anybody because I don't think he is, but I think the guy who strikes more fear into him than anyone is Gabe Medina. Um, and I just dove into some stats just for a little piece I put up on the site about their, their history head to head. And right now, even after yesterday and John, John winning, Gabe's still up 10 to four, you know, and Gabe's they're tied at Chopu. They're two, two at Chopu. Uh, John's got a win over, They've only faced each other once at pipe, but let's not forget Medina's made back-to-back pipe finals, so it's not like he's weak there. Um, and then the rest of it, you know, whether it's Margaret River or or France or some of these other places, um, Gabe's pretty much owned them. And uh, so you got to be thinking, you know, granted, this is a new John John, um, but that's that's something he he he's looking at and paying attention to in the rear view mirror. Rear view mirror. Yeah, and Gabrielle. I mean, I think I think everyone's instinct is to sort of label John as the raw talent and Gabrielle as maybe the the competition freak and the tactician. But like Gabrielle is so talented too. Like he was almost unstoppable at it, Chosu, as he is in most places around the world, and. I think it's just so great for professional surfing that you've got these two young guys who there's an argument that they're, you know, two of the supernova talents of their generation, two young guys in Gabriel and John John who have successfully navigated the industry and the media and fledgling fame and, and most importantly, sort of the competitive game to arrive, you know, near the top of the rankings. And yeah, it's going to be really, really exciting to see how those guys kind of finish out the stretch. Yeah, I absolutely not just the stretch, but you know, if you're if you're a huge surf fan, you you got to think that this could be the beginning of something that lasts for quite a while. I mean, these guys both want probably more than one title, <laughs> and and um, they've got some they're pretty pretty evenly matched, you know. And and you look at the field today, and you got to think, man, it is as stacked as ever. You know, there are so many other, you know, so they both have their work cut out for them. Uh, but it's just, there is something here that you feel like you get the sense this is kind of the Andy Kelly thing in the making, the current hockey thing, the MR Shane, like it could turn into something pretty, pretty special. Yeah, and Chris, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to ask your opinion since you were heavy in the trenches during that Andy Kelly thing. Um, 
when you when you're covering Andy and Kelly, were they so far ahead of the rest of the guys in the event that it made sense that they were going to likely win the event? One of the two of them, I guess, compared to today, where it might not be a foregone conclusion that either a Gabby or a John John wins an event just because the field is comprehensively so much more dangerous. You know, I don't think. I think the thing about Andy and Kelly that was so impressive is it wasn't like there weren't any other threats because you had the Parkos, you had the Mix, you had the Tajas. There was a damn good group of guys. That said, the chasm between, you know, maybe the 10th ranked guy and the guys in the back half of the pack, I thought there was a much bigger gap back then in those years as opposed to today where, honestly, anybody in the top 35 is just, you know, dangerous and always dangerous. Like you cannot take a single person um, for granted. And, you know, whether it's Keanu was saying taking down Italo or something like that, the, the, just the threats are everywhere. Um, and the, the level of surfing across the board is just higher today. So, yeah, both of them, That these are all the reasons why I feel, you know, Kelly – Kelly Slater's records will probably never be touched um, because I don't know when a guy is going to come in again and just be that much um, out of left field, just so far above everybody else the way Kelly was. Um, you look at Kelly, especially Kelly in the early part of his career when he won, you know, that stretch when he won five straight. And there was a year where he won seven of 14 events. You know, that's just absurd. That I doubt will ever, ever happen again. Um, and that's really, you know, if you look at the interesting thing about Gabriel Medina right now, title-wise and event wins and everything, he's right there on pace with Slater at the same age. You know, they both had one title around now, and I think Gabe had seven wins and Kelly had eight. But it was this very next year. Imagine next year if Gabe Medina, he to keep pace with Slater, he would have to win seven events next year because that's the year Ke- Kelly went nuts. Um, and granted, there were more tour events la- back then by a few, um, but that's still an incredible feat. And the fact that this guy is 44 years old and and still doing that today, you know, 20 some odd years later, it's just mind bending. Well, what? Let's talk about Kelly for a moment because I really felt that the win like was transformative to him in terms of his, of his outlook, right? I mean, he trounced the field in Tahiti. It was almost like this like interview with a vampire, like when Lestat feeds on Christian Slater at the end of the movie, like rejuvenation <laughs> day. And he's like, yeah, you know, I said that like my season started in, uh, in Fiji. And if you look at my results from then, I'm in the title hunt. So Look, I have to do yeah. a couple more events before I'm a serious contender this year. Like it was, he was like, "I'm back in." It was like, "Oh my god, where you come from?" <laughs> yeah, well, not only that, but you know, he's what this guy's got four or five wins at Trestles. I got to go check the stats. But heading into Trestles, you know, I think if Kelly actually is smart and 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 rides the sci-fi, he's got a damn good chance there. You know, um, I thought. You know, the insights that Ronnie and Ross have been dropping about Kelly have been pretty insightful. It's like Ronnie points out that Kelly hasn't won in a non-hollow wave in a while, and that's true. His last two wins are Pipe and Chopu, right? Um, But Ross 
is 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 sort of there. You know, he he called this one from the get go when he was talking about picking his fantasy team. He's just like, you cannot leave Kelly off your list. No matter, it doesn't matter if he's showing up late. Doesn't matter if he's disinterested. Doesn't matter. At that place, he's so good. The question is, can Kelly pull the same kind of thing at Trestles? We know he dominates Trestles. His track record is enormous there. But surfing over the past couple years has has definitely taken another leap above the lip. And, you know, whether Kelly's going to play that game or be out on the face and just ripping it to shreds, um, that's going to be the big challenge for him, if he, if he can win it there. You know, because he, it's doubtful he'll win it in the air. You know, yeah, for for sure, for sure. I think it trestles is going to be like a really interesting witness test with regards to world title number twelve for Kelly, right? I, I think all of us are are happy to jump on the the way of thinking that like, look, if it's Fiji or if it's Tahiti or Pipe, Kelly's a threat. But beach breaks are sort of out on the face waves because the field has gotten so much better and because surfing has changed and because there's this element of physicality within the top 34 now with bigger, stronger surfers that are a threat to Kelly, he's no longer as dominant at those locations. But, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that doubt if he would ever win a CT again, so he's proven them all wrong and proven them all wrong like in emphatic fashion, right? So I think if he can win at trestles, that's a pretty clear signal that he I couldn't agree more. My, you know, my greatest fear watching him march through the rounds yesterday, to be perfectly honest with you, I thought, good God, if he wins, he's going to do a mic drop and just be done. You know, like, why not go out right there? You just took John John out. He's the new Jeep leader. He, you know, you're 44 years old. What better time? But then again, then I heard his line about, you know, my year started in Fiji, and I'm just like, oh, geez. This guy's not going, and I'm glad. I don't want to see him go. I think it's, you know, to me, he's like a science experiment at this point. How long can this guy keep going? Yeah, no way. Dark Lord, <laughs> Vampire Slater, that hunger calls, I'm for sure. I, I, I think I, I don't think the mic drops an option for him unless it's a title now. Yeah, that's, that's, I hope you're right. That would be pretty, pretty darn epic. I mean, either way, man, just having a Kelly Slater in the field as a spoiler, um, again, just a testament to the level of talent on tour right now. But, you know, before we, before we go, Dave, um, who else impressed you? You know, who else, who are the threats? Because we saw a lot of, we saw, we saw a bit of a hollowing out there right below uh, John, John and Wilco and, and Gabe, you know, with, with Italo going down early and Adriano going down early, um, we saw some movement back there. You know, Julian had a decent event. Josh Kerr's kind of creeping up there. Is there anybody else out there that you feel like could sneak into the mix? Um, Sans Slater at this point? Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. And he's probably front of mind because I, I wrote him for success on the fantasy team, but the Chloe hand, you know? Um mm. You know, I think Chloe's been surfing really, really well all year. He obviously had that final start of the year, and then his results have been up and down since then. But, um, you know, I, I think he's criminally underrated, at least on the rankings right now. And, and we're coming up on an interesting event for him because, as he said in his post-seed interview, he's never done well at home at Truffles. Um, yeah. And I guess, you know, I think there's something about those young guys that qualify early, and they look 
so good in the amateur ranks. They look so good on the QS. And then they get to the big leagues, and it's just this different level of physicality. And it takes a few years for them to actually mature into, like, honed adults. You know, I think we saw it with Gabrielle. I think we saw it with John John. I think we're seeing it with Kolohe. And throughout that process, they kind of have to work on their equipment as well. So, you know, I would really love to see, you know, Kolohe kind of carry the Californian flag because he's just so talented and he had so much success as a younger guy. And I think it was hard for him to transition onto the, the major league tour. Um, but, you know, I think this year we're seeing some some consistently positive results from him. I'd love to see him do well. So. Yeah, and, and, and he's had some bad calls in terms of, you know, just really close ones that could have gone either way, too, that were pretty heartbreaking for him. I know in Fiji he had a really tough loss against Josh Kerr that could have gone either way. And, you know, you consider those, it's like he could be right in there. Um, he started very strong and then had a string of bad results. I think, you know, my my only concern with Kolohe is I feel like he's just got to be a little bit more unplugged. He's just a like just needs a little more sanding around the edges on some of these things because, you know, I think Brad Gerlach maybe described it best. He's like, there's times when he looks like he's surfing heat too much as opposed to just being Kolohe and letting it go. And those moments where he's, really having good heat, he just, it's like he's not thinking. And if he could find that sweet spot to where he's just not overthinking it, I agree with you. I think uh, Kolohe becomes much more dangerous. Yeah, I think that's a great call from Gurr. I think if he, if he roughs up a little bit, it, it'll be interesting to see him. Uh, you know, and then would have that element of looseness to his almost pitch-perfect technique. The other big thing that's interesting to me heading into trestles is, you know, the rookies who started out so strong have all kind of, you know, fallen back to earth a bit. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see who is going to emerge as the rookie of the year this year. You know, we saw Kyle and Connor really kind of come out of the gates firing. Um, Davey Castles has shown some little flashes here and there and stuff like that. Poor Ryan Callahan can't get a, a break, but, What's your take on the, you know, the Connor Coffins and the Kanoas and those guys, and who do you feel is going to be on top of it by year's end? I mean, it's been really interesting. I think we saw, like as you said, a few of them had a lot of success early on, and, and a lot of them sort of fallen back there in recent events. I kind of always thought that was going to happen. I think the first four events, the three in Australia as well as Brazil, that's sort of the like anything is possible leg. Like the venues lend themselves to different approaches and a lot of sort of uncertainty. But this middle this middle uh, series of events from Fiji to J-Bay to Tahiti, those favor sort of the experience and the tried and true competitors. So so it doesn't shock me that a few of them have had hard times throughout these three events. Trestles is sort of the next pivot on that, that final stretch of events. And it's such an interesting venue because it's probably the most high-performance wave in California, I think all of these guys have so much experience either surfing lower trestles or surfing waves like that. So it's really their opportunity to to change their storyline this year, right? And they can they can pivot and uh, either way, really. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, like so many good rookies on tour, just talent wise, you'd love to see one of them do well and crack a final. But well, I get the sense that. Um that they are all going to be hanging out, spending a lot of time down at lower trestles here 
pretty soon. You know, it's interesting because you've got everybody from from Jordy Smith to Felipe Toledo to Colohe and Dino, all these guys, Trestles is their backyard now. Um, and as we the tour comes to town, uh, I assume we'll see a lot of those guys out in the water. Um, and it's going to be interesting. Well, listen, Dave, I appreciate you calling in and, um, you know, safe travels home. Look forward to catching up with you when you get back, and we'll have another show here to talk a little bit more about lower trestles. In the meantime, I want to urge uh, our listeners to check in with WorldSurfLeague.com for all the latest news and information about what's going on, the interviews and videos and highlights. Uh, Dave, any sign-off message from you? Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in from Tahiti, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks, Rick. All righty. 